Well, good morning and welcome to another Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Got a question, comment, you just give us a call. I'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. And go. right now is the perfect time. Because we have plenty of time the rest of the show to get your questions answered. There you go. It's a 291-6901. With a 225 <laughs> in front of it is the area code here in Baton Rouge. So why don't you go give us a call? We'll be glad to try to help you out. And that's as easy as that to get to us. That's it. And hey. should you maybe happen to think of something after we go off the air today and miss your prime opportunity right now, you can always go to the website, get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the little form, and send it on in. There you go. And, of course, it won't be a live answer, but it'll be just as good. That's it. (laughs) It'll be live when you're reading it. (laughs) (laughs) I was speaking with a caller the other day at the shop, Uh and he had a Mercedes, I think it was, and needed some type of service done on it. And I told him, I'm sorry, we don't service European cars. We service domestic and most of the popular asian models and he said well why is that and i thought that was a good question and one we might want to go into because more and more and more you will see that as you go looking for auto service is that shops have to specialize in a certain number of cars and there was the old days where you could pretty much work on almost anything that came in the door right and any kind of work on anything came in the door are just largely gone today reason being is that every car is different and every car is so specific and the tooling information and training for every different model you're going to work on is so specific that it'd be virtually impossible it would not be economically feasible to equip a shop to to service every kind of car Uh i mean it would cost millions and millions and millions of dollars and you could never recoup that amount of money with the number of cars you could service so that's one reason we had a car come in earlier this week, a little Ford. Escape, I believe. Might have been an Escape. Or yeah. an H, one of the two. It was a little small SUV yeah. Ford. And it needed a water pump. Now, you would think that would be a very simple and straightforward job to put a water pump on a car, right? You would think. Except this one, the water pump is underneath the timing belt. It's not driven by the timing belt. But it's behind the timing but belt. But it is under the timing belt, right. which is a absolutely boneheaded way to build something sure in my opinion so you have to take the entire timing belt off the car now that's not just a matter of loosening a couple of bolts taking it off because in their infinite wisdom well essentially it is yeah but you have to be able to To put put it back back together and time it (laughs) right and what ford has done for whatever reason on the crankshaft pulley they did not put a keyway right i mean for a hundred years ever since Engines have been being right. built. They There's put a, a keyway. Way. The, it lines everything up. Well, of course, they don't do that. Instead, they issue a series of special tools to hold all this stuff in place so you can bolt it down and time the engine. Right. Now, and, now, not all this special tooling goes on the front where the timing belt is. Right. A lot of it goes on the back side of the engine, right. so there's more things that have to be taken apart to install the special tools to hold it in the right Right. place. So what happens is that a simple water pump replacement now becomes an eight to 10 hour job with probably eight to $900 worth of special equipment and tooling. And so that pretty much, it takes the average do it yourself or out of the equation because you just can't afford to buy all the stuff to do it. And you just can't do it without. And it also 
drastically inflates the price of this job to the customer because sure the does. shop that does it has to get paid for the time they spend. There's something in there for the tooling and all they have to have. Mm-hmm. So it's going to drastically inflate the cost of repair while basically not enhancing the ownership experience in any way, shape, or form. Exactly. I really don't see where they save anything. They save the price for Keyway. Well, I mean, saves them when they're building it. Because, Maybe. Well, they've already got the tooling set up, but I know, so but I they mean, lock it all together. But when they ordered that crankshaft that had a Keyway cut mm-hmm. in, it wouldn't have to do anything, just like everybody else in the world does. Used to. Yeah, used to. Ford is not the only one that has deleted the Keyway in the crankshaft. Yeah, it's just kind of a... An asinine thing to me. I, I just don't it. see it, but I guess maybe there's some advantage somewhere to them. The point, we're kind of long way around the totem pole here, I guess, but the point is you can only work on so many of those cars because if you don't have enough of them coming in, let's say there's only one or two of those you will ever work on, you can't justify buying the tooling to do it. Exactly. So now you have to start making choices. Okay, this car requires this, 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 this. How many of those cars are in our local area? Now, prime example, that would be with Subaru, which right. nothing wrong with a Subaru, good it's little great, car. Yeah. And in the Northeast, they're extremely popular. Northwest, they're extremely popular. In the Baton Rouge area, there are hardly any of them around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could probably count on a couple of fingers of my hands and toes how many Subarus there are registered in this area. So, therefore, I cannot afford to buy a scan tool, the service information, the updates on that stuff every year, right. plus the tooling, plus the training to service that car. There just aren't enough of them around for me ever to recoup that investment. Exactly. Now, if one shop wanted to come in and say, okay, I'm going to open a Subaru specialty shop to compete with the dealership, you could probably do something like that and work on that one car, a small shop, maybe a one or two man shop, may be able to do something like that. That's kind of the way the European cars are in the Baton Rouge area. I know some areas of the country... Particularly if you go out to like Florida, European cars are extremely popular. Right. People like their Mercedes. They like their BMWs. They, they like those cars a lot. Baton Rouge, not so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there are people here who like those cars, and there are some of them on the road. Well, there are some shops here that do specialize There are specialty shops that do just that work. Now, right. that guy is not going to be able to fix a Chevy pickup. Exactly. And he's not going to be able to fix a Toyota Corolla. So, the point is, you have to decide what cars there are that you're going to work on. And that is generally, like everything else, is going to be an economic decision. You have to decide how many of those are there in the area. Can I recoup my investment to work on these cars? And the better you want to be at working on them, the more stuff you're going to have to have. Oh, definitely. Now, there are people who will go in and just siphon off certain little parts and pieces. Like you may get a guy who says, okay, uh, say a tire store. We'll we'll put tires on it. Mm Mm-hmm. The only issue you have there is, let's say you put the tires on, and now the tire pressure monitoring light pops on. So now what do you do? Yeah, you don't don't have have a scan tool tool to communicate with it. Right. Let's say you do a front end alignment, and now the thrust angle's off, and you have to have the special Mercedes BMW tooling to reset that, and they don't have it. Or, heaven forbid, they go in, they do tires and all, and now the ABS light pops on. Sure. For whatever reason. Now they have no way to check it. They don't know if it's something they did. Is it a coincidence? So the point is... It's probably going to put them and the customer in a very uncomfortable position because they're just not equipped or trained to work on some of the cars they accept. Mm-hmm. Now, the better shops are not going to get themselves or their customers into that situation. They're just going right. to tell you up front, we're not tooled up to do that particular model. Uh-huh. And it's sort of unfortunate because we've got customers who have maybe a Chevy Suburban, maybe the wife has a Mercedes, Mercedes or Toyota Camry, and maybe 
the son buys a Volvo. Mm-hmm. Well, now, they want you to work on that car because you work on all the family's cars. But unfortunately, we can't. We cannot service it because we're not equipped or tooled to do it. Right. And more and more, what I'm finding is that people call us before they buy a car now. Can you work on this car? <laughs> hey, and that's great. Yeah, if you have a service provider that you really like and really trust, not a bad idea before you go and purchase a car. Because before you buy that car, you can buy any number of cars. And mm-hmm. maybe you like that one, but you may like another one a whole lot better or at least as well. Mm-hmm. So it's really a good idea to involve your service provider in the decision before you purchase the car. Sure. Now that way you're not left hanging out with trying to find someone to work on it. Well, and what happens, of course, the answer when you buying the car, the dealer, oh, we'll be happy to service sure. it. we got trained factory experts and all that. But I'm not taking anything away from dealerships. Some of them do operate well, but some of them not so well. Mm-hmm. And if you've got five dealers in the area, like, say, a Chevrolet, okay. there's five to seven major dealers right here in the Baton Rouge area. Toyota, there's probably four or five Toyota dealers in the immediate yep. area. But let's say you buy a car, like, I'm just going to pick on an Audi. Okay. There is one dealer. Now, if what happens? for some reason you go there and you feel like this guy is really raking you over the coals and you have words with him. Okay, now what do you do? Right. Because Where are you going to go now? Now you got a car that you can't get serviced because no, no one else is equipped to do it other than them. Another thing is there's not going to be any shopping around for price or trying to price shop or compare on something like that because you just don't have any choices. You're exactly. You're going to pretty much be stuck going back to a dealer. And if you got a good dealer and you like them and you get along with them, that'll work out just fine. The thing is you are severely limiting your choices and your available avenues of service. So just something to think about yeah. before, before you buy the car. And that's the key word, <laughs> yeah, before. You don't buy the car and then start looking exactly somebody's service because you may end up very, very sadly disappointed. <laughs> hey, first quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. So, Tina, are you interested in shopping next weekend? Oh, well, me and Harold leave for our European cruise on Friday. Another cruise? What? Are you all blowing the kids' inheritance? (laughs) No, we're just smart with our money. Like, our cars are paid off, and we're big on preventative maintenance. Harold takes them in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what we need to keep the cars running right. You'd be surprised on how fast you can save for a cruise without two car notes. (laughs) Wow, I never thought of that. I have time to do a little shopping this afternoon, though. I've got to get Harold a bathing suit. He keeps saying he wants one of those tiny Speedo suits because that's what everybody wears in Europe. And I cannot let that happen. Okay, now I have an image of Harold strutting around the pool in a Speedo. I think I'm going to book a general inspection from Agco to clear my mind. He wanted hot pink, too. (laughs) Tina, stop. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry by my side. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. We sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. That'll get you straight to us. Got all our lines wide and open. That's it. <laughs> You're out of the Baton Rouge area. Just put a 225 in front of that, and you can get right through to us. There you go. And you know, we were talking a little bit about tooling and equipment and such as that. Of course, we'll take a call sure. any topic you might have. As sure. always, you never are obligated to talk about what we're what yeah. Be, yeah, what we're having to be blabbering about. on the air. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just talking about different tooling and stuff like that, even something as simple as a lift uh-huh. nowadays, 
certain vehicles can only be lifted a certain way. Sure. And if you've got a vehicle that your lifts cannot pick up or you don't have the adapters to pick up, again, that's something so very, very simple. But virtually every service starts with lifting the vehicle, lifting the vehicle, off, the vehicle off the ground. Yep. Not every service, but the Most, vast majority of them. Yeah. The lifts today, you can buy them in different sizes. Mm -hmm. So kind of the shop has kind of a generic line. They've got the medium lift that will lift the small ones and the, the next size up biggest ones. Mm -hmm. But let's say you get a, a one-ton vehicle come in. Mm -hmm. The strategy to lift that vehicle, because of the weight distribution on it, you have to have a special set of adapters, and that medium lift may be at its full capacity right. when you try to lift that vehicle. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, there's another line of vehicle that you can't get off the ground to work on right. safely. And, well, and... What some shops have done, like at Agco, we've got 12, 14 lifts out there, and some of them are heavier than others. Some exactly. of those will be 10,000-pound lifts. Some of them will be 8,000-pound lifts and so on. And, of course, one ounce would be to buy a 12,000-pound lift for, for every bay, but that but, is inconvenient to work on a smaller car. Exactly. It makes it real hard because they're wider, they're bigger, and a small car doesn't fit on it very well. Right. So what happens is more expense involved by buying different lifts to service more cars mm -hmm. and certainly every expense in the shop is inevitably passed on to the customer right you know just like anything in business you know people don't always grasp that but a lot of times you'll hear politicians talk about we're going to tax business no you're not businesses right. don't pay tax exactly just collect tax exactly because you put a tax on them they add it back to their prices and the customer pays it anyway i know it sounds good yeah, it but does. it just doesn't work out that way in reality but, yeah, anything you do to make the repair process more expensive or more difficult is going to inevitably inflate the cost of repair to across, the customer. Across the line. Because the shop has no other avenue other than to raise the price or go out of business. Sure. They can't take a loss to, fix, to work fix on your car. car, and not many are going to try. But that's just very, very small, small things like that. But on and on and on and on it goes. Mm -hmm. You know, when you get into air conditioning service, you're into another whole oh, bevy yeah. of things. Definitely. And when you start talking about European cars, some of the newer European cars may use the YF1234 refrigerant. Right. Which takes a total new recycle machine. There's the All this, the equipment is everything, all, everything is, is different. Completely different. The service procedures are all completely different. And since there are still a lot of cars that take R134A, you have to have both. Exactly. And if you go work on the old cars, you got R12, well. so you got to have three <laughs> sets of every single piece of equipment yep. to service the air conditioning. So what does that do to the cost of air conditioning repair? Well, it runs it up. It's going to inevitably increase it. Right. And on and on and on we could go. When you start talking about scan tools, what they do is you may have one scan tool that works for a certain number of years on a certain number of models. Uh-huh. Like, for instance, Ford started out with a star tester. Right. Then after a few years, they dropped that and they went to the superstar tester. Then they dropped that and they went to the NGS. Then they dropped that and they went to the IDS. Mm -hmm. Now, each one of those tools will only work on a limited number of cars. Right. Certain year model. Certain year Certain year, year to year. It, most of them are not backwardly compatible and they're not forwardly compatible. So, so the older, older vehicles, the new tools won't work on those as the new tools won't work on the older cars. That's correct. So if you want to work on both the older and the newer, then you have to go have, in, you have to have both sets of sure. tools, or three sets of tools or four sets of tools. Now, that's a bad enough thing that you have to buy all this stuff initially. 
But another little trick that they've got is that once a year, your subscription expires. Like if you have a forward scan to an IDS, right? well, once a year, it's going to pop up and say your subscription has expired. Please go to motorcraft.com and renew it. And when you pop your credit card out, you can find out that's about 1200 bucks every year to renew one tool. Yeah. Now, if you got four tools just to work on Fords at twelve to $1,500 a year a piece update, yeah, update. just to keep them updated, and they just quit working when, when right. they reach their update period. It's not that it's just got old data. GM is somewhat better in that they've got the Tech 1, which was the original scan right. tool. Then they've got the Tech 2, which covers a number of years. A lot of years, from 96 all the way up to 2010, oh, 11 or 10, somewhere in yeah. there. And then they got the new, was it? The uh, MDS. MDS, which is a laptop-based tool that, again, it's the same thing. You have to have the all tooling. the tooling, and then you have to do all the updates. Now, again, that's just gm and ford chrysler's got the same thing exactly toyota's got the same thing honda's got the same thing it will not let you use the tool right unless it's got the subscription unless it can go to the internet and see the subscription right it's just a brick without that yeah it used to be at one time once your subscription ended you didn't have the current information but if you're working on an older car it it really didn't matter too much you could still use it right but now it just basically quits working on the anniversary date and so you're forced to go in and what they've done is they've gone to a laptop base now you supply your laptop and Mm -hmm. you download the information off of their website to it right and that's your subscription and And you have an adapter which just talks to the car car. Mm -hmm. right let's take a few of our phone calls we got jerry online good morning jerry Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I've got a question for you. You bet. I've got a 2001 Jeep Grand Cherokee, and about a month and a half ago, I put a new computer in there. Okay. And what it was doing is it was be driving along, and it would start dying out. Mm-hmm. And Pretty common. I found out on YouTube that you could disconnect the battery, ground the pause about for a second, turn the ignition on, turn the lights on, off, turn the ignition off, crank it up. And it would flash it and bring it back to zero, which does pretty yeah. good. Yeah, that doesn't power. fix it. That just resets it, but right. it's not so ever going to fix it. That's what I was doing before mm-hmm. I got the new computer. Mm-hmm. Well, I put the new one in there. Boy, I thought I had it. I went about a mile down the road to the store. Wouldn't leave the store. Same identical thing. Mm-hmm. And as it's going along now, it's starting to get worse. Now, did you, did you have the computer program when you put it in? Yeah, it was programmed okay. with the VIN number and all that. Okay. Very likely, Jerry, depending on where you bought that computer, if you didn't buy it from Chrysler, from a Chrysler dealer, mm-hmm. very likely you got a defective computer because I can't even use any of the aftermarket stuff. I've mm-hmm. never found one yet that works. I mean, people bring them in all the time with this same exact problem. You pull it out, put a mm-hmm. put a Chrysler computer in, and it'll work. Right. Even the Chrysler See, computers like, are not great, but yeah. they're, they're better than anything else you can get. The old one that was in there had i had a scan to him mm-hmm. it said an internal computer problem right. pretty much a, dead, dead check giveaway. engine light on mm-hmm. right. i haven't had a check engine light at all right just got a different kind of problem with it and it's almost like a fuel problem yeah well jerry you are fixing to spend a yeah. whole lot of money with almost like right yeah, that's <laughs> that is very 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 simple to isolate all but you just do a fuel a pressure test it could be anything jerry it could, yeah. be, it could be five thousand things the point <laughs> is if you don't have somebody knows what to do and test this thing you already threw a computer in there well, and you still I, ain't got it fixed i did have a guy from a shop up in walker that came down here with uh-huh. his stuff and there wasn't any code zone step we did have a bad injection that, mm-hmm. yeah but that ain't gonna cause that, that problem 
Right, and it's, the crazy thing was it's, it's doing it's doing the same. Yeah, idea well, you probably still got the same exact problem. Yeah, you didn't, you just <laughs> cure, covered the symptom up. You yeah, fix the problem. Could a transmission cause that thing? Yeah, could. Okay. Could be something shorting out the driver in the yeah. computer. Could be anything. I mean, it could be. I it could be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things. Right. The point is, you can run out of money before you run out of could bees. Right. You gonna have to have somebody that knows what it's doing to test that car and tell you what's wrong. Now, yep. very likely, if it's doing the same thing, you may have a defective computer. Like I said, if you didn't go to the Chrysler dealer and buy it, odds mm -hmm. are that yeah. computer ain't worth the time it took to put it in there. It's I have changed so many of those. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let me, uh, I guess I might get it to you if, if they can't. I would definitely check the computer first because it's doing yeah. the same exact thing it was doing before. Now, see, it may not have the same problem. It may just have a different problem. A computer can have 200 different problems. Any right. one of them can cause it to die. Sure. And there's an internal failure. is just a catastrophic failure that it can see. But let's say it's dropping the driver to the crank sensor. Well, same thing's going to happen. It's going to die. And it's going to start running bad and, and conk out. See, all sorts of things, what you got to do is you got to have a lab scope on it when it's occurring, see what's happened, see what's dropping out, see if the fuel pressure's still good. All those stuff are easy-peasy tests that you're going right. to keep changing parts, change parts, hoping to fix. Right. It's going to be way, way cheaper to pay somebody to test it and tell you what's wrong. Okay. All righty. Well, I guess I'll have to go that route. Cause, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, you run out of money off. before you run out of guesses, man. Yeah, you can cut it off, crank it right mm -hmm. back up, and it run, runs. Yeah, but so does about 200 other things. Right. Yeah? <laughs> okay. That's the problem. So There's so many different. things that can cause that same problem that you will literally go broke saying, uh, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Yeah, maybe it's all kind of stuff. And yeah. you may be causing more trouble than you're Well, yeah. You're fitting, and if you're putting putting aftermarket parts on you may be creating more problems than you had before. So you, you could have had. Ask you to yeah. See if there was one particular. No, oh, absolutely no. not. No, I mean, you may have a shorted out crank sensor that burned up the first computer. And then you put a new computer and burn up the second computer. Right. See no. that happen. Dead short, yeah. It burns it it burns the computer fast, you put it in there. All right, then. Okay, man. Have a good one. All right, sir. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, right 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we got time for another one for the break. Sneak one in there. Right. We've got Alan Wine. Good morning, Al. Good morning, gentlemen. How are yes, you all? Doing great, sir. Doing good. Fine. I got probably a simple question, but my BC, I've got a 01 GMC Sierra and my uh, FOB quit locking and unlocking okay. doors. Uh -huh. I put a new battery in the fob. That didn't solve the okay. problem. Mm -hmm. It'll sound the alarm, but it won't lock or unlock It'll the chirp, but it won't lock or unlock. When you say it doesn't lock or unlock, does it not unlock any of the doors or just the driver's door? Uh, <laughs> a lot of people yeah. click it and go to the driver's door and it doesn't open, and so they're assuming that none of them are opening. Yeah. First thing you want to do, Al, is go around and make sure some of the other doors are open because they got a little part called an actuator. They go out all the time. Okay. If the actuator fails, it's going to chirp, it's going to act like it's working, but it's not going to lock that door. But it's going to be limited to the one door. Okay. Or if any of the doors anywhere on the car open, then it's not going to be the transmitter or the BCM or the receiver or any of that. It's going to be something Inside to the, the car itself. You yeah. know? And, and, again, there's some circuits in there that can – some wires can break. I mean, we've seen the wires going through the, the loop in the door, that big rubber tube. Yeah. I've seen those wires break from opening and closing the door and cut the power to the lock. Uh, uh -huh. There's a wire that runs across on the floor underneath the carpeting that goes between the two front doors and can cut both the front doors out. Uh -huh. But just hit it and go and see if maybe the tailgate opens or if any door on that car opens uh -huh. or any door on the car locks, it's not going to be the transmitter because it's only one signal. Right. Okay. If any of it, well, if none of them work. If then. absolutely none of them work, then you could be into the BCM or you could be into the transmitter, just have some kind of a problem inside the transmitter. Sometimes they can go bad and send a weak signal, but not enough to lock and unlock doors. It may uh -huh. still chirp, uh -huh. but 
you know, you just have to have something to test it and see. Do you or have? Or if you got a second remote, you could try that and see if it does the same thing. Just got the one here. Yeah. Okay. And you know, if you only got one remote, those aren't terribly expensive. You might even consider just buying another remote just to see, uh-huh. because the remotes go out by far more than anything else. Okay. I think the receiver is in the body control module, and I don't think I've ever changed one of those. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I mean, I'm not saying it can't go out. Any part of a oh, car yeah. can, but yeah. I've never really changed one of those. Okay, you've answered my question, and I do appreciate it. All right, Mr. Al, thank you. Y'all have a good day. Mm-hmm. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. I right, take our second quick little break. You guys hold on, but a whole lot more. Hey, Mike, heading out for your run? <laughs> I just knocked out three miles myself. Yep, did my meditation this morning to de-stress, and now I'm going to get a little exercise. Tomorrow I need to take the car into the shop, though. That shaking problem's getting worse. Uh, you know, you should take care of your car like you take care of your body, and it would save you some money. What do you mean? Preventative maintenance is key. Me and Kathy bring our cars in once a year to ADCO for a general inspection. They give them the once-over and perform the maintenance needed to keep us on the road. I haven't had any kind of major problem with my cars in forever. I guarantee they would have caught the cause of your shaking issue and fixed it before it became a problem. And probably saved me money, too. Yep. All right, I'm heading home this evening for steak and lobster. Then Kathy and I are going to test run our new hot tub. Surf and turf and a new hot tub? Yeah, and champagne. Saving money on your car allows you to enjoy the finer things in life, Mike, my boy. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, and got Mr. Brian Terry right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we were just kind of talking during the break about things like the gentleman who called earlier, uh-huh. where he had changed the computer and all that. And I mean, something like that, there's just so many possibilities. Let's say you've got a bent pin in the harness, and it's got two terminals that touch together once in a while well that may flag an internal failure code very possible in the computer because when it goes check it, it's seeing a dead short on one of the drivers because the pins are touching together you pulled it out you put another computer in well it may seem to have fixed it you just move the pins around a little bit and then it touch again let's say you've got something like a bad throttle body it's drawing too much amperage through the computer that knocked the first computer out then you put another one in we'll just knock the second one out right so i mean the point is with stuff like that you cannot just go in and say well i think it's this so i'm gonna do this and see what happens because a computer even a cheap junk aftermarket computer for jeep is probably five or six hundred dollars sure. i think the christ one's six seven hundred dollars you have spent a bunch of money then you have to have it programmed plus your time and trouble doing it and you are no closer to solving that problem than you were before and well, could it be this? Well, yeah. yeah. It, it could be it anything. It could be a fuel pump. could be a crank sensor. could be the harness. could be the transmission. Sure. could be any number of things. The point is, how many things do you want to keep changing on a maybe before you just go get it tested? You know, the only reason for testing is one thing, and that is because it's way less expensive than just changing parts hoping to fix something. Yep. That should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back in the day, I'm talking about 60s, 70s era cars mm-hmm. you could do that and pretty much get away with well it. cars got it a misfire so first thing you put a set of points and plugs sure. in it and probably, probably needed need that anyway you did it yourself probably cost you eight ten dollars worth of parts that didn't fix it we put a set of plug wires on a cap and rotor again you spent another 20 bucks and probably needed time. it anyway probably needed it anyway didn't fix you rebuilt the carburetor you walked out with a total repair bill of 40 50 bucks but the thing is now it's hundreds if not thousands, thousands. of dollars for every guest sure and each thing you do can create 
secondary problems, collateral issues, right. you may get the wrong computer because they got several different ones that all bolt right up, all hook right in. Now you've created a whole another thing that has to be diagnosed, fixed, before you can get to the point of diagnosing to get the, the original, original problem. problem. Crank sensor could be bad, could be shortened to power occasionally, which knocks the computer out instantly. We've seen it. Yeah, and on and on and on it goes. I remember we had a fellow who came in a while back and car would not run. Got talked to him. He said, well, I had a check engine light. It said it was the oxygen sensor, so I changed the oxygen sensor, but now it won't start. Okay. And what it was, this is on a little Honda, fairly late model Honda. It doesn't have an oxygen sensor. It's got an air fuel sensor. They look the same. They look the same, but totally different in the way they work. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the parts store. He buys an oxygen sensor, cuts the wires, splices, splices it into the harness. Because the plugs were different. Because the plugs were different, which is number one red yeah, flag. exactly. Hooks it all up, immediately burns the computer up. So now it won't start. So when it comes in, first thing, well, we've got a burned-up computer. However, why did the computer burn up? We start checking, well, you've got an oxygen sensor where an air-fuel sensor goes. So all we can do at this point is strip everything off, put it back the way it's supposed to be, and then hope there's nothing else beyond that. Right. But, you know, that's just a way that and you— that was just a little information from the customer himself. Right. You know, you get a car that maybe came from a different shop and a different shop before that, and you, there's no telling what's going on with well, it. Or when where you start at. modifying things, it's kind of like working on a 200-year-old house. You know, when you work on a modern-day house, the studs are all 16 inches on center. Right. So when you go to nail a piece of wallboard up, you know where that stud's at. Yeah. <laughs> but if you work on a house and one stud is 23 inches apart, the other one's 18 inches apart because they just stuck them up because that's what it did back then because they were just putting boards on it. It didn't really matter. It didn't have sheetrock and plywood and standardized lumber. Right. Your know, one board is three inches wide. One board is four inches wide. There is no telling what in the world you're going to get into. And it's the same thing with cars. When it's manufactured, it's all built along a certain line, and you know what things are supposed to be the way they are. But when you go in and start modifying that, yeah, now then you got trouble. You pretty much throw all that away, and you just down to just checking and hoping at that point. Yep. Let's go back to our phone line. I can read the name there. My eyes are getting so bad. I can't. Is it Norris? Nori. Nori, I'm sorry. Hi, Nori. Hi, I have a 2008 Jeep Patriot, Mm -hmm. and it was close to 120,000 miles, and so I took it to my regular car place Mm -hmm. and said, I think it's time to service the transmission. Okay. And so they said they couldn't do it. I needed to take it to the dealership. So I called the dealership. And the garage guy calls me back and says, no, it's a lifetime thing. The transmission fluid does not need to be changed. Mm -hmm. But it's in the maintenance schedule of my book. I emailed Jeep and said, okay, which is correct. And they said, I need to get it done. Exactly. So now I'm not sure what do I need to do. Well, you just need to bring it to someone who knows what they're doing. I mean, we service those all the time. You know, the word lifetime fluid or lifetime filter is correct insofar as when it goes bad, it'll burn up the transmission, so the life will be over. So, yeah, it is lifetime. <laughs> because, because I've never heard the, it explained that yeah, way. the life will like be that. over when it goes bad. <laughs> but, no, what most of the newer transmissions, when I say newer, from about 2010 on up, do not have a dipstick any longer. They require some type of special tooling to go in and check the fluid level and all that sort of thing. So a lot of the people who haven't kept up with the way technology has gone, they just look at it so it's sealed, there's no service on it, which is not true. It still needs to be serviced. You just have to service it properly. So you just have to find the right guy. We can service that for you. I'm sure there are other shops that can, but it's just a matter of dropping the pan, replacing the filter, and replacing the fluid. Now, some of those do have a filter that is part of the pan, which can be very, very, very expensive. 
I just have to look that. I have to get the VIN number, look at the vehicle, and all that. Best thing is to bring it in to either me or someone like us, have them check it for you, then they can tell you exactly what all needs to be done, what it's going to cost, and all that sort of thing. But if you do not service it at all, it will be a lifetime. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, when, it, when it's dead, life's over. That's it. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. Well, thank y'all. All right, ma'am. Appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, fellow rogue. They said they told me it was a lifetime filter. So, well, yeah, because when it plugs up, life's over. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. And you get that a lot today. And you would think dealerships would keep up right. with the service techniques on the products they sell. But for some reason, they don't seem to. I know the Toyota dealer tells people all the time, that's a sealed transmission. It doesn't need to be serviced, Mm -hmm. which is absolute BS. It's basically the same transmission they've been building all along. just doesn't have a dipstick. Doesn't have a dipstick. There's a certain procedure you have to go through to check the fluid level. It has to be at a certain temperature. has to have run through the gears. There's a whole list of criteria that has to be set before you can check the level in it which is more time consuming read more expensive right. to do and maybe they just don't want the customer to get mad when they tell them how much it's going to cost to service it so they just say well it doesn't need to be serviced and then if it goes out hey they'll probably sell them a new car anyway so <laughs> yeah i mean most of them will go a hundred thousand miles without any trouble at all most of them will make a hundred today because they have synthetic fluid in them they have a pretty good size filter on them me personally i would service mine at 50 sure just i'm not a run to fail kind of guy I don't want to find out the hard way. Maybe it'll go 100000 I know if I service it at 50 I'm going to be good. Sure. And because I can't get 100% of the fluid out, and if I wait till it's 100% depleted and I change half of it, then I'm you're not, not changing yeah, all the fluid. If I change it out when it's maybe 50% depleted and I change 50% of it, I'm pretty good off. Sure. So, yeah, I'm just not one of those run-to-fail kind of guys. You know, I change my tires before they hit the wear bars right. because I don't like sliding around the interstate. I'm going to change stuff before it goes bad. I changed my radiator in my car. It wasn't overheating, wasn't having any problems, but, but it you, was 12 years old. Yeah, and it's you a know, piece of plastic. And you know it's going to break. It's they going, all do. It's going to go eventually. It's like the hard drive in a computer. It's not a matter of if it will fail. It's, it's a matter of when it's going to fail. Sure. So if that particular item is mission critical, you have to back it up at very least. You may even want to go in at some point and replace the hard drive. Mm-hmm. Clone it to the other one. Keep on going. Right. Because it's a mechanical device. It's going to fail. And when it does, it's going to probably be catastrophic. It's going to be... Oh, most likely, it's going to be a most inopportune time. Yeah, be, be a, what's called a life-changing event. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you got a whole... You know, you got your manuscript that you've been working on for the last five years on there, and it's not backed up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's going to be real, real, real devastating. And it's the same exact thing with a car. you got to remember the maintenance schedules that the manufacturers provide, for the most part, are blue-sky estimates and are they going to push those out as far as they can well sure it looks great on paper it does and they get ranked and rated based on how broad their maintenance schedules are for instance if consumer reports looks at two cars and this one needs maintenance at fifty thousand, this one doesn't need maintenance to a hundred thousand they can say this one doesn't need maintenance to a hundred this is the better one this is the better one or at least that's what people are going to infer uh-huh. however what you don't understand is what's going to happen after that right if you don't service this one so it's sort of like we talk probably every week we'll get some kind of a call or, or somebody will mention all change intervals. Mm-hmm. And it's the same exact thing with that. Can you push all changes out once a year? Yeah, you probably sure. can. But now what's going to happen when you get up to around 100,000 miles, rear main seal starts leaking, the valve covers are leaking, possibly you're starting to lose all pressure, big puff of blue smoke when you crank the car because all the valve guide seals have gotten hard. Right. You know, can it be engine. done? Yes, it can. But what is the entire 
purpose of owning a car. It's to get from point A to point B at the lowest overall cost. Right. Now, how much do all changes cost? Not a whole lot. So why would you want to push that out? If the point were, I want to see how far I can drive this car without Before. changing the oil. Okay, great. If that's your strategy, then that's a good way to go. But most people, that's really not the true strategy. Maybe they think it is, but it's really not. When they think about it, what they want to do is go as far as they can go, spending the least amount of money they can spend. Sure. And have the car perform well and be reliable in the process. Now, to that end, you can have to do some different things. And like I said, I replaced the fluid and filter on my car at 50,000 miles, and I use a synthetic fluid. You're talking about transmission yeah, fluid. Yeah, transmission fluid. Right. GM says you can go 100. Well, mine burned up at 89, even with service, and it, it didn't burn up, but a, a piece broke, broke inside. That's another thing. Even if you do do the service, that will largely slow down the problems with lubrication-related problems. It can't keep a part from breaking. Right. It can't keep an electrical part from, from shorting out or failing. So you still got a possibility of it going out. So why do it at all? Well, you're going to greatly increase your chances of not having a lubrication-related problem. Because most of your problems are lubrication-related. They are. And what happens on a transmission is that you have a filter, and it's constantly pumping fluid through the filter. All fluid passes through the filter to the pump, then out to the different circuits. The majority of the fluid is just pumped in a loop. There's a regulator because the pump can produce far more pressure than the transmission transmission needs to operate. So it dumps a bunch of it right back into the pan which goes right back through the filter, right back to the pump, just pumping just a, in a loop. Right. Other parts of it go out to the clutch circuits. Other parts of it go out to the lubrication circuits. Other parts go to the cooling circuit, which goes up through the radiator, runs through the cooler, and dumps back in a pan cooler fluid to cool the transmission down. Mm-hmm. The point is, all these different circuits are out there operating. It's all going through the filter. Now, what happens is that when the filter starts to restrict, the pump has to work harder to build the same pressure. So the pressure starts to drop. Now, when the computer sees the pressure dropping, the first thing it does, it opens the electronic pressure control regulator a little wider. To bring the pressure back up. Bring the pressure back up to keep the trans from slipping. It can do that to a point. When it reaches a certain point, it kicks check engine light on to warn you. If you keep driving, you can burn the transmission up. Sure. So, anyway, that's one reason you just want to do that little maintenance. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to go ahead and take our third quick little break, and we'll be right back with a whole lot more on the Automotive Hour. Hey, Jim. Becky said you were in the office and, whoa, what is up with all the charts and graphs, buddy? Oh, I'm using my system I've developed to keep up with the maintenance on my three cars. Is that an armillary sphere? Yes, yes it is. So, the oil gets changed every third full moon. Brake pads divide the years Becky and I have been married by our oldest son's age. Timing belt is leap year, except when it's on the time... You know there's a better way, right? I just take my cars into Agco once a year for a general inspection. They give me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need. Sometimes it's just an oil change and they send me on my way. One time, they caught something that could have led to a huge repair. Saved me thousands. Wow, that sounds great. You know, I'm always trying to save money any way I can. Uh, Let me get Agco's number online and I'll give them a call. Is that dial-up? Dude, there's a better way to save money. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, Twin Tools will try to help you out and put you in the right mode of repair. There you go. There you go. We'll try to save you some, <laughs> save you some unnecessary expenses. Uh, exactly. We were talking a second ago just about transmission, transmission service, and all that. Uh-huh. I know we've 
talked about this before on the show, but not in a while. But for a while there, and I don't see this as much, but the transmission flushes. They are still out there. They are out there, but you don't see them as much. GM issued a very strongly worded statement to their dealers, do not flush our transmissions. Period. Period. And so I think the word is kind of getting out there, but what the people who advocate a flush will tell you is this changes all of the fluid, which nothing could be further from the truth. Exactly. does not change all the fluid. It does not clean the filter, can't possibly clean the filter. In fact, it further restricts the filter. Yes, it does. And the reason they push these is to properly service a transmission. Number one, you have to have the wherewithal to drop the pan if it has a pan. You have to have a scaled tech to do it that uh, a tech to do this type of work work. you have to stock all the different filters all the different fluids Fluids. and all this kind of stuff right many times you have to have a vehicle specific scan tool to go in and get temperature off transmission all to set the fluid levels right right the point is it's very very complex to do what they want to do is go in take the two cooler lines off hook a little machine up and run some fluid through it put some fresh fluid in transmission and call it a a flush Uh and charge a whole bunch of money for doing absolutely nothing or maybe causing you more grief down the road well very very likely because when they give you this crud about it changes all the fluid they base that on the fact that transmission holds 12 quarts of fluid they take 12 quarts out and they put 12 quarts back in now theoretically that changes all the fluid right well theoretically it changes 12 quarts of fluid if you know how a transmission operates like we just described the right. pump is sitting there and it's pumping most of the fluid into a circle so what's happened is that only a small portion of the fluid is going out to the cooler line they're taking a small portion of the fluid in transmission. They're draining it out. They're putting fresh fluid back into the other line, which is going back, dumping right back into the pan, mixing with the dirty fluid, going right back through the filter, and it just keeps on happening that way. Right. You're not getting the fluid that's going around in the loop. You're not getting the fluid that's going to the torque converter. You're not getting the fluid in the clutch circuit. You're not getting the fluid in any of the other circuits. You're only getting the fluid going out the cooler to the circuit, cooler. which is a tiny part of the total fluid in the transmission. And then some of them have a thermostat they do. on the cooler lines that block the, it will block the flow the and flow. you can't get it out anyway. Exactly. So you're pumping 12 quarts of fluid in a circle. Right. And what happens is if you sit there and you start to stir up this fluid in the transmission, most of the debris and the trash is just laying in the, in the bottom of the pan. You stir that up, it sucks right through the filter. Well, it sucks up inside the filter, which restricts it. Right, further. Now, a lot of them will tell you, well, this is going to clean the filter. Well, that is absolutely a ridiculous statement because when they do it, the motor's running, which means the pump is turning. And unless you can make the motor run backwards. And turn the pump backwards. And turn the pump backwards, which is impossible, you're going to pump the fluid right through that filter. And well, anybody knows anything about a filter knows you can't clean it by pumping fluid through in the direction it normally flows. Right. It's like a sock. So if you pump fluid into it, you're not going to get that crud out the top of it. Right. What happens, it goes in through the neck of the sock, flows out through the sock so that everything is trapped on inside. the inside. Then it captures that into a little housing where it flows out to all the different components in the transmission. But anything that gets into a transmission filter is not coming out. No. Unless you take it out, take it apart, break it, break open, it open, and look rip, and the, rip, rip it the open sock apart. or replace it. And another thing is you'll hear all the time, well, that transmission doesn't have a filter. It has a screen. And that is just a ridiculous twist on words. Whether mm-hmm. they call it a screen, whether they call, call it a, a filter, filter, it is a filter. Right. It still cleans the big chunks out of the fluid. That's right. And all filters are sacrificial elements. That's exactly. what they do. They sacrifice themselves to protect something else. So by that particular definition, all filters are lifetime. 
because when they stop up, they can burn up whatever is downstream. And <laughs> lifetime's and over. And the lifetime is over. That's right. <laughs> life just ended. So, yeah, all filters are lifetime. Uh-huh. A fuel filter's lifetime. Right. You plug, split up, burns fuel pump up. So that was life of it. Yep. So, you know, yeah, it's just you got to really, really watch because a lot of people have all kinds of ways and means of explaining things that really don't make sense. And what makes it that way is that they are explaining this in a way that they're trying to sell you something. Sure. And they're not trying to get you repaired in lowest overall cost method. That It's very profitable to do transmission flushes. Sure. So that's why they do them. It's sure. not because it's going to help you. A C-Tech can do a transmission flush. Well, yeah. Anybody that can unscrew a line and hook a line together can do this type of work. Another thing is like the injector flushes you hear oh, yeah. so much about all the time. Again, new cars have direct injection. If you're using a decent grade of gas, they never have to be flushed. Exactly. They're going to clean themselves. They're operating around 2,000 PSI. A self-cleaning off the, yeah, component. But they're still trying to sell these the uh, flush. injector flushes. So it's just something to sell you. Right. Anything that ends in flush... Yeah, walk away from. Well, it. If, if you got the word flush, it's just add the word wallet in front of it. There wallet you go. flush. <laughs> and I see we're just about out of time. There, we're going to start right. winding on up, getting on out of here. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and go to your uh, written review and fill it out for us. That's right. Fill out a written review, move us up in the ranking so more people can listen. If you can't find a review on your where you listen, just go to Google and type in Agco Automotive. Go to our page there, there on, go. on Google. <laughs> Give us a rating. Do just the same amount of good. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.